Welcome to the Adoption Rewritten Podcast with your host, Jamie Weiss and Andy Stanley. Join in as we examine adoption-related books and media and discuss how adoption is portrayed versus the reality of living adopted. Today, we have the book, Why Was I Adopted? The Facts of Adoption with Love and Illustrations. That's a very important distinction here. There's love and illustrations included. This is a book written by Carol Livingston and illustrated by Arthur Robbins. And it is a book from the 70s. This is before I knew I was adopted. It was actually published the year that my adoptive dad died, 1978. Okay, so that was the year before I was born. Okay, so yes, I'm freaking old. Thanks for reminding me. (laughs) This is what we've got, people, different generations talking about adoption books. Because I am late discovery, none of these books are read to me. So this is a book that... I learned about from another adoptee and it's been an experience reading this book. So the book says, let's start at the beginning. Actually a good place to start. Yeah. It's, but I love the way. So what are you? This is the question that it asks the child that is reading this book to them. And I'm not going to read the whole thing verbatim but I will say it tells you that you're not a puppy dog or a rhinoceros very good to know (laughs) yeah you're a human being a person and then it goes on to explain why you're unique even though there are a half a three and a half billion people so it has a very helpful illustration pointing out that you're different than the puppy and the gorilla. So then it goes on to say, we know what you are, but the big question is who you are. Who are you? You know your name, don't you? Okay, so right there is my first issue. Mm-hmm. Adoptees don't necessarily know their names. Right, I did not know my name. I didn't have one, so I didn't know mine either. Well, I had a last name. So, and you've had several That's different names. You, yes. So I was originally named at, at birth and then it was changed at adoption. So, okay. So pointing out that, you know, your name, that's problematic to me right there. Mm-hmm. So then it goes on to explain how everybody has different names and how we have some things that are the same as other people like hair color or height, lots of physical characteristics. So those things, you know, I think we talk to kids about how physically we're different and, and also in some ways alike. And it points out that some are as old as a hundred and a half and some are as young as a two minute baby. Let's talk about that baby for one minute. Then there's another helpful illustration. You know, of course, that the baby didn't come out of a chewing gum machine or in a package that the postman delivered, nor did it grow on a tree or bush. That's it. And then it shows a person purchasing a baby from a vending machine. (laughs) 
no that's kind of interesting because when we don't know where we came from many times we were told stories of we found you in the cabbage patch or the stork delivered you or god sent you to us oh yeah without, with without a specific way that you were sent so um that's very interesting that they show that we weren't grown on a, a bush or out of a vending machine because when you don't know where you came from or where you were born and you you have all these fantasies of how did it happen and where did it happen so it's interesting that is you know it's so eye-opening for me to talk about these things with people who knew from a really young age that they were adopted because my adoptive father was actually an OBGYN and he delivered me and he delivered my younger adopted adopted brother so he he knew both of our mothers and I grew up visiting his office and looking at the charts on the walls that showed different stages of like fetal development so I knew where babies came from I knew how they happened and when I was in the first grade I got in a lot of trouble because because one of my classmates was having a younger sibling and they were gonna get the baby from the cabbage patch and I was like no that's not how babies happen so seeing all those developmental pictures in your in your OBGYN father's office Mm -hmm. so you knew where babies come from did you did you ever discuss this with him or with your mom and was there any, you know, thinking back, because at the time you didn't know you were adopted, but was there any discussions where you see now that, you know, she wasn't able to discuss your birth? You know, like if my children talk about when they were born, I may be able to say various things like, oh, yes, you, I remember being in this room at this hospital, or I remember when I held you immediately, you know, um, and your, your dad was standing there videoing or, you know, whatever you can talk about the actual birth. So how, how did that conversation come off, uh, with either of your parents being, especially with your dad being an OBGYN? Actually ended up happening is I asked in the first grade, if I was adopted, because you have to do that family tree project and I asked for pictures and I wanted to know like how much I weighed. Did I have hair? You know, just things like that. But my adopted parents didn't pick me up from the, um, from care until I was two weeks old. And my father was ethically not supposed to even talk about the fact that he had been the one to deliver me. So it wasn't talked about. There were no pictures of me. There was no information in like a baby book. And so when I went to school with my, and saw all my classmates with all their photos and their stories about their mother was in labor for 18 hours and uh, pictures in bed, holding the baby at the hospital and the proud grandparents standing by the bed, there was none of that. And so when I asked, that's the first time I remember my adoptive mom looking completely like deer in the headlight scared. And I asked her, you know, am I adopted? And she, 
she said to me, why would you say that? What makes you ask me something like that? Of course, there are pictures of you. Of course, there's video. Like she, she sidestepped the questions as much as possible. Gotcha, like, it's gotcha. like she didn't want to lie, but she wasn't going to tell me the truth either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there, because there are no pictures of me at all from the first two weeks. There's none of that exists. So I think for a lot of us who are late discovery, that's one of those points in our lives where we kind of go, wait a minute. Because I've heard from other people who are LDA, who that first grade assignment. hmm was really like weird for them and they couldn't exactly understand why. And it was only after I found out that I started really thinking back and going, I remember how uncomfortable she was, mm-hmm. you know, and how upset it made me. Cause I thought I was doing something really wrong by asking like, how dare I ask the woman who gave me life, why there are no <laughs> pictures or provide pictures. Right. Yeah. So So the book goes on to talk about all different sizes and where you might live. And it says, but they all have one thing in common. Every single one of them had a mother and a father. That mother and father gave you a very special gift. It's so special that no one else can ever give it to you, blah, blah, blah. They gave you the gift of life. So a lot of us have heard some variation of this, right? Right. And then by giving you the gift of life, they gave you your birthday. And every year on the same day, you can get kisses and hugs from your family and your friends, and they can all sing happy birthday to you. And, you know, then it goes on. Birthdays are a lot of fun. Now we come to the serious part. Serious doesn't mean unhappy. It just means important. Important for you, that is. The thing is that sometimes something may happen so that the family you began with is not the same as the family you have now. You said what? We'll repeat it. Sometimes the family you began with isn't the family you have now. Hmm, that certainly sounds serious. <laughs> Maybe it's just me, but I feel like this book has a tone that is very dismissive. Mm-hmm. You know, like, oh, yeah, that's serious, but it doesn't mean unhappy. You lost your whole family and your name and everyone. Yeah. And it's it's, it's a little bit like, wait, 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 but don't be sad about it. Don't be sad about it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like, you're like, yes, you have a horrible gash on your leg and you're going to need stitches, but it's not broken. Right. (laughs) And so then it just says, there are so many different things that might have happened that we couldn't list them all, even in a book, 10 times this size, but let's take a few possibilities. Like maybe your birth father and birth mother. So now we're already distancing the child because we're calling them birth father and birth mother, not your mother and father, they're your birth father and your birth mother. At least they're recognized. That's true. So many books, they're just written off. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. So maybe they were still so young themselves. Remember, you were a baby then. That they could not know how to give you the care and attention you need because they had so much growing up to do themselves. That's a funny thought. Who'd want to be brought up by a couple of other children? And the illustration shows mom with pigtails and dad reading a comic book. Oh, no. 
So they're so they're infantilizing the biological parents at this point. Oh yeah, and it shows a child of about ten reading Hamlet. <laughs> okay, so the 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 child obviously is intelligent, but was raised by childish parents. Uh, yeah, okay. I'm, yeah, I'm, so the child is more mature than the parents are, and who would want that? But remember, you were a baby then, so. And they're immature uh, because they had sex before they were married. I mean, is that because that was previously a reason for them to be declared or I'm sorry, not them for the female to be declared as mentally incompetent or um, incorrigible. Yeah, because she had sex and got pregnant and she was young and unmarried. So, yeah, so that immediately makes them immature. Yeah. And the two options they give you are. Your parents were so young that why would you want to be raised by children? Or maybe one or both of them are dead. Of course. It's very sad, isn't it? This is what the book says. It's very sad. These are only two of the many reasons why the parents who gave you your birthday are different from the parents you have now. What all of this means is that if you are an adopted child, you became part of your family in a different way than by just being born into it. You are wanted by somebody very, very much. They wanted you. Not a bad choice. They must be pretty smart. Okay. Totally implying that we were unwanted. First, well, yeah, we had to be unwanted first. Okay, so now remember all those differences we talked about earlier, like different hair color, eye color, and so on? Well, if you're adopted, you have something else that not every kid has. You have birth parents, the one who gave you your birthday, and you have adoptive parents, the ones who love you now and want you very, very much. In some ways, you're pretty lucky. An adoptive parent is a special kind of person. Not just any grown-up can be. So now we are deifying the adoptive parent. And some of them are wonderful people, okay? I'm not trying to bash on, but come on. An adopted parent is a special kind of person. The most important thing about them is that an adopted parent really loves children and wants a child very much. So that's how your parents came your way. They wanted, and this is underlined, they wanted to care for you and love you and help you grow up. Pretty nice of them, isn't it? Pretty lucky for you too, isn't it? Come to think of it, pretty lucky for them that they got you. Okay. Can, I'm sorry. They wanted to care for you. They wanted to. And they wanted to love you and they wanted to help you grow up. Let's remember how nice of them that is. In your case, specifically being a late discovery adoptee, they wanted to help you grow up. It would be nice if they helped you to grow up in your truth instead of helping you to grow in a lie your entire life, leaving you to discover that on your own. I know. Plus, it meant that our relationship was never authentic. Right. You know, because they had you can't you can't maintain lies and be in an intimate relationship with people. There were so many times that 
things were very strange and awkward and uncomfortable. And looking back, it's because they were trying to decide what points to lie to me about and which ones it, yeah. But the next page starts with, but don't start getting stuck up. So you're lucky you have parents that wanted you don't get stuck up about it. And I'm thinking, do we say that to kept kids? Hey, your parents wanted you. Don't be stuck up about it. It's very strange. So then it explains about people not liking stuck ups and how you should face the fact that you're lucky and happy, but it doesn't mean you're better than anybody. You still have to go to bed when you are told and brush your teeth and eat your spinach and carrots. Being adopted doesn't mean you don't have to do your homework either. Being adopted is a special difference. We'll admit that. But being able to stand on your head is pretty special too, isn't it? Those are definitely like comparing apples to shoelaces. <laughs> and it's so... um. It's so demeaning. It's like, like have, I've never met an adopted person who thought they didn't have to do their homework because they were adopted or that they better than because they were adopted. I mean, if anything, it seems as if it goes the opposite direction in, in most cases where there's some shame. I, there are just so many messages in this book that are so manipulative mm -hmm. and so oppressive you're telling a child you're special but don't ever act like you're special don't really internalize the fact that you're special except in the context that we want you to remember how lucky you are to have been adopted how lucky you are to have such special parents how lucky you are that somebody wanted you somebody chose you i you shouldn't have any questions because you are so fortunate and then they go on to talk about you know you're not the only person who's been adopted millions of people you may even have friends that were adopted or your brother or sister there are lots of people famous people who were adopted in some ways being adopted is like belonging to a gigantic club that you never wanted to be in <laughs> I know. I was going to say, I think a lot of us would be like, you mean like the people who got picked last for volleyball, like that kind of <laughs> the losers club. I know. It's like, even though the reasons for adopting each child may be different, there's one thing that's the same. This is so important. We're going to say it all alone on a separate page. Now, one of the, you're laughing. One of the conversations that adoptees have <laughs> is that adoption is supposed to be child-centered, but it ends up being adoptive parent-centered. So here's something that's so important. We're going to say it all alone on a separate page that you would think it would be centered on the child. And what it says is adoptive parents adopt children because they want them very, very much. Your parents wanted you very, very much. <laughs> I'm speechless. I'm sorry. This book is so offensive. Maybe if I had read it as a child, I'd be like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Because that's what I would have been conditioned to think was oh. acceptable. 
Oh, for sure. For sure. This definitely as a child made total sense to me. I mean, I feel like this, I think I mentioned to you when we talked about this book that it, it looks familiar to me. I do not remember it specifically reading it, but it looks very familiar to me. And I feel like we had this book, but I don't, I don't remember being, being read uh, this book, but the storyline through this book is, it feels exactly uh, like what I was told, what I believed about being adopted. You know, it was either my birth parents were young or dead. I mean, those were, those were pretty much like my options or, um, and in my case, they were young, but uh, when it talks about being chosen and wanted and uh, special and the, your, your adoptive parents want, I mean, this whole thing, I would, I, tell, I mean, I bought it hook, line and sinker for sure, but I don't remember this book specifically, but I, I, I feel so certain that we had this book because it just, it, it just, you know, and it just feels familiar. Yeah. No, I get it. I, and you know, how many books really were there at the time? So I imagine parents who are thinking they're doing the right thing or trying to do the right thing or are just like psychopaths would get this book (laughs) and read it to kids. But when I read it as an adult, especially as an adult who's worked with kids for over 30 years, I look at this and I'm just, I'm like, this is grooming. It's not grooming. I'm not saying it's like, pedophile grooming i'm just saying this is like a social conditioning it's manipulative but that's what you you described earlier as manipulative and that's that's i think that's the great the great word for it you know because then it goes on to talk about why does daddy yell sometimes when you don't eat your vegetables and other you know it lists other things that you know why do your parents get upset with you sometimes being adopted doesn't mean never getting yelled at of course not i you know, being adopted doesn't mean never being angry with your family. There is one thing that does say that I'm, I'm glad they do say it. And it says, and it doesn't mean being perfect, you know, what a perfectly ridiculous idea that is. That's good. I mean, I'm glad you're at least telling the kid you don't have to be perfect. And then it says, but it means is that when all the feelings are put aside, okay, so you're supposed to be grateful all the time and remember that, because the next phrase is your mom and dad wanted you and needed you and love you. And let's let them in on the secret. You want them and need them and love them too. It's a pretty good arrangement, isn't it? You bet it is. What if you don't particularly love your parents? Yeah. What if you never feel a connection with them? I didn't. Right. I did. but if you didn't, I mean, the book's telling you, you do, you should, you have to do that. You have to love them because they love you and wanted you. Yeah. They want you and need you. So you need, you want them and need them now need them. Yeah, I get it. But I can remember daydreaming in second grade about my real family coming to rescue me. And I didn't know that I was adopted and I'm still daydreaming about other people that actually feel right. Mm-hmm. Because I couldn't, I didn't feel right. Right. I never felt a connection. And And I I had the same, same, same daydreams, even though I did love my parents and, and we had a good relationship. I still had those same daydreams. And especially if I was in trouble for something. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I get that. 
So now, this is lovely. Do you wonder where people go to adopt children? Well, they don't go to the zoo. They don't go to a supermarket either. Did you ever see a sign in a store window that said kids for sale? Not very likely. You don't find children in Cracker Jack boxes either. Actually, every adoption is different and each child is adopted in a different way. Um, first of oh, all- But they do advertise them in the newspaper. During, I was gonna say- during And they the, do advertise them on the internet now. Oh yeah, there's books. There are companies that put together basically lookbooks for children. And during the wagon train days and stuff, there were absolutely signs that said, you know, kids for sale, basically. And in, you know, in international adoption, especially, you see kids basically advertised for sale. You can go online today and look at price lists that show the prices for, for kids and you'll see black and brown babies are cheaper. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's it's appalling. It's absolutely horrifying. And to imply that we did not come with a price tag. I know what I cost. I have receipts. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of adoptees that do. And you can tell me all day long that having children is expensive and that you know you have to pay for medical care and delivery and all of that kind of thing it's not the same no you know i don't care what anybody tries to tell you so some people go to agencies where they know there are children who need families and if the agencies they try very hard to find out if people who ask to be parents really understand about the hard parts as well as the fun. I think the quality of agencies varies greatly. I do think there are some that try to educate the parents, but there are no laws that they have to be educated. There are no laws that there has to be ongoing support. You know, there's no real regulation my adopted parents, yes, there was a home study done, but it didn't reveal the fact that my adopted mom had OCD and had a ton of alcoholism in her family. It didn't reveal that my adoptive grandfather was a violently abusive alcoholic. It glossed over the ethical issues with my adoptive dad being my mother's doctor. There were so many problems They acknowledged the fact that my grandparents were being abusive towards my mother, but when asked if she was being coerced into giving me up, they checked no. Mm -hmm. You know, and not everyone goes through an agency either. So I don't, was, was yours through an agency still? No, it was what would be considered a gray market adoption. It was a private, it was a privately arranged through social services and a lawyer okay mine was just privately arranged with a lawyer there was no training that I know of at all that I've, I've ever heard my mom speak of it was there there was a home study and then that was all just to make sure they were financially fit and emotionally fit I guess um home was safe and then that was it. I don't, I don't know that there was any kind of training or discussion of difficulties that might arise with having an adopted child. 
Yeah, I think the only thing that they said when they summed up, they they summed up my adopted mom with um, she kept a nice house. And when it came to their daughter, she seemed well trained and polite. Well trained. OK, Yeah, well trained and polite. So sometimes if your birth parents died or were unable to care for you, you might have been adopted by your aunt and uncle or your grandparents or maybe an older sister or brother. Then they just go on to talk about the different ways, you know, infertility, um, parents already have children and they want more, so they decided to adopt some more. Some kids live in other countries where there may have been lots of bad problems you know, famine, war, sometimes kids are put on an airplane and flown to their new parents. They may not even speak the same language unless they are babies. And we all know that babies can only say goo goo and gurgle no matter where they are born. Babies sound like babies can sound very much alike in every language. So it doesn't matter where you were born. It doesn't matter that you're losing your culture, your language, your environment none of that matters the fact is there were terrible things happening where you were born and so it's so much better for you well and the picture that they have you've seen it is horrifying yes yes Mm -hmm. it's for people who can't see the pictures it is an, an asian baby sitting on a pile of dirt with a whole bunch of just garbage around it with a giant helmet over the baby and looking at this book, which is from the 70s, okay, but the problem is a lot of these attitudes are still super prevalent. There's still so much of this is still going on. You know, it's the way that they talk about this, you know, they say like, it's all pretty complicated, isn't it? But pretty interesting too. We're not an experiment. Okay, let's stop, please. There's this quote from Angelina Jolie about how adopting transracially and stuff is just, and adoption is just beautiful and it's mysterious. And and she talks about it like, it's just this experiment and this wonderful adventure that you can go on. And, and it's so not centered on the child and the needs of the child. It's And then, you know, and it'll just say like, your parents could tell you exactly how and why they wanted a child and happened to adopt you. Well, I know in my case, I was the next child in line. That's why, you know, and then they end the book with a question and answer section. And I thought, okay, maybe (laughs) in the question and answer section, there will be something that I don't cringe about. So, okay, you still have some questions. No surprise. We thought this might happen. And so we talked to lots of other children who were adopted. Now, there's a problem with that because if you're conducting your research based on children who only have the language that you've given them in order to explain their experience, and you have put this same kind of stuff on them and they depend on you to take care of them for their survival. They don't know anything else. This is their normal. They haven't had time or distance to think about things. They haven't got the critical thinking skills. 
So they had questions too. Uh huh. I was so little when I was adopted that I can't remember my birth parents. So you've given them that language. That's the language that they know. Is that okay? Is it okay that I don't remember my parents? And it has a picture of like a couple of basic eggs with no features, wearing suits and dresses. They look like the missionary people that come to your house. I got to look at this one. It's got, it's got an egghead mom with glasses and curly hair and dad with t- three hairs on his head. Oh, okay. <laughs> Doesn't it look like a Mr. Potato Head? Like yes. a Mr. Potato Head? Just... And sure, most children don't recall things that happened when they were little. So how could you be expected to remember your birth parents? You probably can't remember what you ate for lunch last Wednesday. So let's compare not remembering what your parents look like to not remembering what you ate for lunch last Wednesday. It's that important, right? Yeah, just just as important as lunch, that's all. Yeah. So if you were bigger when you were adopted, you may know more about your birth parents. That's okay too. You may even want to keep a special family scrapbook starting with whatever, with what you remember as long ago as possible. Okay, that's not a terrible suggestion. We tell people to journal all the time. We tell people to write their stories so that they can integrate it into their personal narrative and make sense of it. So I have no problem with keeping a special family scrapbook. It really bothers me that we're dismissing pre-verbal memories. We're not acknowledging that even though you may not have the language for it, you still have memories. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that is a fairly kind of new idea, I guess. So, but I still don't see a lot of acknowledgement of that today, which is problematic. This book was written 50 years ago. I mean, come on people. So then on the next page, can people really pick out the child they want? So this whole book has been like, they chose you, they wanted you. And at the end, yeah, but can they really pick out the people that, you know, well, not usually. (laughs) Sometimes they know the child they're going to adopt, but most of the time they have to be just as surprised as any other parents who have a new child. Well, what do you know? No, no. They did not give birth to you. It's not the same. You're telling the child that it's just, it's just, it's the same. At least they, at least they own up to the fact that no, usually you actually aren't chosen. (laughs) I know. It's like at the end. Yeah. We'll just kind of throw that in there. Does it cost a lot of money to adopt a child? It may cost a lot or nothing at all. Sometimes just being there when somebody wants a child is all it takes. <laughs> it was like, um, like a kidnapper Jeez. or like the free samples at Costco. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, you happen to be hungry. Here's a snack. <laughs> you can only have one. That's so weird. I mean, the way they put that sometimes just being there when somebody wants a child is all it takes. Like I just. I just randomly just was there. It's rehoming. It's what rehoming is. is. What if my parents don't like me? Can they send me back and maybe get a new kid? 
no way adoption is forever laws are very strict about that and don't forget your parents adopted you because they wanted you now they well they wanted a baby sometimes when you grow up a little bit you're not as it's like that puppy that was really cute when you got it at christmas and then it grew like big and you didn't think it was going to be big and it won't behave. And so you give it to somebody else or you drop it off at the pound. When I read this paragraph, I wanted to throw this book across the room <laughs> or set it on fire. Like, because seriously. if it were true, we wouldn't have second chance adoptions. We wouldn't have kids who end up stateless because adoptive parents adopt internationally. And then, oh my gosh, the child is traumatized because you Mm -hmm. don't speak Russian and this child has been speaking Russian and you don't speak their language and you just brought them to a whole different country. Yeah. And they don't know anything. Put them on a plane and send them back to Russia by themselves. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or Guatemala or Korea or wherever you decide, like, how often do we see kids develop like it becomes apparent that they have disabilities Mm -hmm. and suddenly the family is like "Mm, no Mm -hmm. there was some influencer recently Mm -hmm. who deliberately adopted a special needs child and then decided the child was too much she used this kid to build her brand and then the child disappeared and people were thinking what happened to that little boy well, he was too much. And so she found him a new forever home. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I work with kids. You have a child, you know how important stability and consistency and routine and familiarity is for children on the spectrum, for children with different needs, and to deliberately bring a child into your home and then just start passing them around until we find the forever home. It's, Mm -hmm. it's very problematic. There's also a a lesser known way of rehoming children. And that is to determine that they are in need of mental health services and to send them away to a uh, facility or even just not necessarily mental health services but to send them to a boarding school oh yeah they are not living in your home so those are also or lesser publicized ways of rehoming uh mm-hmm. because they aren't even given a new you know family or a new home to go to that is something that was brought to my attention that is is very problematic as well because it's, re- it's like rehoming without actually rehoming Yeah, you're right. I'm glad you brought that up because it happens way more than people. So when it says no way adoption is forever, laws are very strict. The laws actually say that you can sign over guardianship of your child to anybody that you think is suitable and it happens. Mm -hmm. So supposing I get angry and change my mind, sorry, you've got to stick with it now. No, you don't actually. Well, we as adoptees, we already inherently know that family is not forever. Yeah. And the idea that what you're telling a child, they have to stick with it. The child Mm -hmm. didn't have any choice in this matter. (laughs) Suck it up, buttercup. You you, you just need to stick with it. (laughs) 
Do my parents love me more or less than my brother or sister who isn't adopted? Being adopted doesn't make any difference in the way people love. They love you all very much. So I happen to come from a family that had two biological children and two adopted children. A lot of adoptees can't really relate to this question because they are the only child in the home they're adopted or the only children in the home are adoptees. Which was my situation. It was yeah. adopted and the only child. Yeah. I can tell you, and I'm not just, somebody told me, oh, you know, you're, you just, you're making it up. You're imagining it. No, I remember wondering why my older sister was so close to our dad and my youngest brother was so close to our mom, but not to me or my other brother. I remember wondering, like, why does my mom come into town where I'm going to, to college with my younger brother and they don't even stop to say hello or tell me that they've been in town until after they've been here. Why does my mom make me do things that she doesn't make her son do? Why does she make excuses for everything that he does? But it always struck me that things were different. And I was the one who was expected to always keep the peace, always make excuses for other people's behavior they could do something awful and I would get upset and they would complain that I was upset and then I would be expected to apologize to them. And that was still going on up until I severed contact with them in 2020. Okay. (laughs) So I'm still being told in my fifties that I should just apologize to keep the peace because my feelings were hurt that they were lying to me. You know, I mean, it's just, you're the problem, not them. Yeah. So some people may love all their kids the same, but I know parents who have their own biological children and they don't love their children the same, you know, I mean, it's not realistic and it's also not evolutionarily true. We are wired to recognize our own biological offspring. We're wired to recognize their smell, the way they sound. They look like us for a reason. As much as we might want to believe it, it's not, it's not realistic. What about my birth parents? If they're still alive and know where I am, can they just come along one day and take me back? Like, this is a horrible thing. <laughs> no, laws are very strict about this too. You belong to your adoptive parents now and they belong to you. You belong to them, actually. They can do whatever they want with you. Right. Now, here's a question that I do appreciate. Do I have sisters and brothers that I don't know about or maybe aunts and uncles? It's possible. Sometimes your parents don't even know this. Now, here's the part I don't like. But if you do, you'll have an even larger family than most kids. Except that you won't know about them. In most states, you're not allowed to know. And then if you find them and you're... 30, 40, however old, it's not ever going to be possible to have the same type of relationship that you would have growing together as siblings. Yeah. So what if I want to know more about my birth parents? Your curiosity is natural. Okay. Talk about it with your mom and dad. 
okay, first of all, mine, <laughs> my, their ass is off to me. I appreciate that they at least say that your curiosity is natural because yes. so many times, even as adults, if we discuss our need to know or our curiosities, it's dismissed or um, said, why would you even want to know? They didn't, they didn't keep you or they didn't want anything to do with you or you have a family. So, I mean, all, you know, all the various things. And so yeah. I at least appreciate that they do say that curiosity is natural. Like you should have that. That's a natural thing. You are not being ungrateful or you're not strange for wondering about that. And you know, at least they do encourage you to talk about it with your parents. Like if they're, they're encouraging a, a conversation to happen there, hopefully encouraging the parents to also discuss it, not just encouraging you to go ask about it. Yeah, no, it's good that like, I do appreciate that part. I just think, I think about all of the adoptees I've interviewed and all of the adoptees I've interacted with. And I think if I have talked to a hundred adoptees and asked every single one of them was, did it feel safe to ask questions when you were growing up? 95 of them would say, oh my God, no, right. Absolutely not. Right. We, we get the message. We get the, we get the signals and the, the, the facial signs and all of those things that say, I'm not comfortable talking about this. I don't, I don't want to talk about this with you. Yeah. Cause even I got that. Everybody would freeze. Mm-hmm. because everyone knew except for me and my brothers. So why did my parents tell me I was adopted? They want to be <laughs> open and honest with you, just as they expect you to be honest with them. Wait, I think know? they left off. Why did my parents not tell me I was adopted? I know. I know. And said like, why did my parents not tell me that I was adopted, but tell me I was going to hell if I lied? Mm -hmm. Yeah. uh, Cognitive dissonance there. Yes. So there's one thing that should be said that isn't a question or an answer. One of the most important things to happen to your parents was adopting you. The parents you have now, of course, They, they, they include that. It was one of the most exciting and happy events in their lives. Now that I know all this, what does it all mean? As we said earlier, you're not prettier or smarter, or bigger, or smaller, what it means is that your parents wanted a child very, very much, and that child is you, and you're all pretty lucky. Your parents are now your real mom and dad, because they're the mom and dad who take care of you and love you. In other words, being adopted means being a member of a family, your family, underlined. So this book for me is, it has a lot of problems. It has moments where it tries, I think, to be more honest, Mm -hmm. but then it immediately falls back into dismissal and demeaning and invalidation. And it's just, it's a very manipulative. We could say it was written 50 years ago. Who cares? Well, the problem is people are still alive whose lives were shaped by this book. Mm -hmm. And those narratives are still being put upon adoptees today as well. I mean, this is the, these are not old attitudes. The book may be old, but these attitudes are not. Yeah. You've conditioned whole generations of people to believe these things. And then they're raising kids, right. they're adopting kids, or they're having their own kids. 
and we're perpetuating a, a worldview and a perspective that is incredibly damaging. But as long as we continue to pretend that it's true, we don't address the problem. Right. So I think it's pretty clear. This is not a book that we would we would overall recommend uh, <laughs> no. today by adoptive parents to discuss adoption yeah. with their children. I kind of started a, a little list as as we were going through. So I gave it kudos for at least recognizing that we have bio parents. You know, recognizing that we can be imperfect for en- encouraging discussion with the adoptive parents for addressing that we may have siblings and for saying that curiosity was natural. And then I, I dinged it for all of the manipulative, uh, real parents, infantilizing the bio parents. Of course, the whole lucky chosen special narrative that was woven throughout the entire book and, and implying that we were unwanted when it continued to reiterate time and time again, how much our adoptive parents wanted us. So yeah, yeah. And for not, you know, not being accurate when it comes to the laws. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So lots of issues, but I'm glad that, you know, there were some things that you could build on. If there's worse, I need you to warn me before we do those books. Okay. I'm going to just, instead of, instead of water, I'm just going to fill this class with, I don't know, cherry juice and vodka. That comes to mind. <laughs> But no, I'm not encouraging alcoholism, people. I'm just considering it. If I had to, <laughs> no, I, I am sure there are worse, but I do feel very fortunate in the fact that I didn't grow up being told these things, mm-hmm. you know? And I don't know that that outweighs what I did experience because I, I received a narrative of its own. Thank you for listening in. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to share with a friend or leave us a rating to help others find us. Do you have a book or other media you would like for us to discuss? Drop us a note to adoptionrewritten at gmail.com. We can't wait to share more with you in the coming episodes. See you soon.